the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. A bit of some concerns on Wall Street. Are we going to zero? Probably not. But... It's pretty interesting what's going on, to say the least. Um, anytime you go through what I would refer to as a correction, people get spooked. And anytime there's a bear market, people panic. And they proclaim the end of time. We're not there. But the, China has a major problem, and that's affecting the whole world, as well as, you know, some bullet shot specifics like Apple. S&P 500 down 1% this morning, the Dow down 1.2%, the NASDAQ down another 1.1%. Uh, oil's at 44. No one feels good with oil in the 40s. People won't like it at all if it hits the 30s. Uh, gold doing a little bit better as a short-term uh, flight to safety. Ten-year Treasury sits at 2.1%. Thinking again is now the Fed's not going to raise interest rates in September and push us into a recession, are they? That's kind of the thought. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Um, things are looking up a little bit, you know, considering things have been down. Um, things have been a lot worse. The negative disposition comes on the market. Um, the same as, you know, the week showing that we've had all week long. It comes from, you know, China. The Chinese yuan, which dropped nearly 2% at one juncture from its midpoint before the People's Bank of Republic. Uh, People's Bank of China. Excuse me. People's Bank of China. For some reason, that's tough for me to say this morning. Uh, reportedly intervened to stop the bleeding. So they want to 
basically dilute their currency slightly before we start raising interest rates. Um, China very much so wants to be part of the international community, but uh, their their currency is just not strong enough, to be quite honest with you. Got a batch of weaker than expected results for industrial production, retail sales, fixed asset investment reports out of China. That doesn't help. Uh, it compounds the negative investor sentiment regarding China, which drove regional currencies and equity markets noticeably lower. Alibaba, which I guess you could look at two companies to really see China. Alibaba, which IPO'd at 68, went to $100, and now is back at $72, down 7% today. They posted quarterly earnings results before the bell. Revenues and sales growth were weaker than expected. Stock down on that news pretty big. And again, a lot like Twitter. A couple of years ago, they come public. Stock rips higher. <clears throat> a couple bad quarters. Stock straight back where its IPO is. Now, Alibaba came public, I believe, in September of last year. And some people will say it was the peak of China. Now, it may have been the figurative peak because some people think it was the Olympics. Uh, back when they hosted the Summer Olympics, maybe that was the peak. Uh, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Yahoo has announced last month that it will spin off its remaining 15% stake in Alibaba. So Yahoo's having some problems with Alibaba. Alibaba's having some problems with China. Apple's having some problems because they need to sell a lot of phones into China. And China's, the data's just not good. And you can talk long-term, but short-term, just not doing good. Let's go to Jasmine in San Mateo. How are you, Jasmine? I'm good. Thank you. Hey, Jazz. How are you? I'm doing well. So I had a quick question. I was wondering, since um, oil prices have gone down, could you um, suggest some good, you know, stocks to buy in the oil sector? How old are you, Jazz? I'm 20. 20? Um, if you have patience, and you have to have patience, you could go with something like an Exxon Mobil. They are the okay. best integrated oil. They are the best integrated oil company, in my opinion. They pay a nice dividend. It doesn't look like they're going to be able to cut their dividend without freaking people out. Um, they've got the, probably the most room to cut and downsize operations until oil stabilizes. I think if you buy oil, you're going to want to buy it probably once, twice, or maybe even three more times, though. So right now you're probably saying, okay, I got enough tax stocks. I got enough diversification. I'm looking for something specific. But if you're looking for instant gratification, it's not a very good move because it's it's thought that oil is going to be depressed at least through 2016. Okay. Okay, great. And then um, do you have any information on Linco? Linco, um, do you own it? Do you want to own it? What's your thoughts? I, I'm thinking about um, buying some shares because they were once at, I think last month they were at like 13 and now they're at three. Okay. And you want to own it for the reason that it's cheap? Oh, uh, yeah. A little bit that it's cheap and then a, a little bit that it pays dividends and like it could be something that I keep long term. Right now it pays a dividend of a buck and a quarter which would be a 37% yield. There is no chance on the planet that's going to happen. Uh, If I can get 37% by putting money in a stock for a year and get a 37% return, 
I would sell my soul. I would cut off my right arm. That's too high of a number. Um, okay. So you really, really want to be very careful, and thanks for the call. Um, I know people like tra- think that train wrecks are a good idea. They're typically not. When you take a look at a Linco, they've got $6 million in cash. They don't have a lot of cash. They've got um, a lot of leverage towards their debt. Return on equity is negative 70%. Uh, return on assets, 0%. Um, I don't see anything here that tells me that they'll be able to pay their dividend going forward. Um, and if you take a look at the stock, it's gone from 31 bucks to $3. If you were to put that in other terms, like if you were to date a guy who's went from, you know, making a, a million dollars a year to making $25,000, you'd be like, well, that's going to be a big change. Or you don't typically go from 30 plus dollars to three and it turns out okay. It's a limited liability company. Um, it's an energy company. I think it's heavily tied towards natural gas. Um, based out of Houston, um, I would avoid. If you want to try to hit a home run, you could do it and call it your Vegas money. Um, but the dividend that it pays isn't going to be around for very long. Um, the compression of oil prices and natural gas prices have obviously hurt this company. And I've seen people want to try to like hit a home run, and it typically doesn't work. Uh, could you get a daily move out of it? Yes. And I love that a 20-year-old woman named Jasmine, who I can call Jazz, is calling the show, because I think that's totally great and awesome. And if you want to drop me an email, rob at robblack.com, Jazz, I'll get you some more information on Linco, we'll pull up some research reports and such. I would be very, very cautious. Um, things that collapse very, very rarely return. Like a guy who has 30-tooth teeth going down to one tooth, two tooth, he's probably lost his appeal to most people. I'm Rob Black, talking to all things financial. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Kraft Heinz, the company that counts Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway as its largest shareholder, has eliminated about 2,500 jobs in the United States and in Canada. Cuts include about 700 employees in Illinois. Longtime home of craft operation. It's, um, to me, when I hear something like that, I think real estate. Um, it's an odd thing to say out loud, but that's kind of where my mind goes real estate. And the reason being is like 700 jobs in like Northfield, Illinois. I like to have my job relatively close to where I live. 
you've seen people, you know, stretch that concept through the years and go much, much further out. Um, and that's when you get into a little bit of trouble. But I see job cuts. I see house prices because what other companies are, are going to step up and hire 700 employees in Northville, Illinois? Now, of course, as a shareholder, you go, well, it's labor's top cost of money. Um, so you see that playing into the whole scenario as well. Uh, corporation saving money by eliminating employees. Let's bring in a CFP, Chad Burton. Bringing CFP, Chad Burton, to talk about a problem that the Bay Area has. A lot of rich valuation companies, uh, one of the things they do is give their employees ESPPs, RSUs, options, employee stock purchase plans, and the taxes on these ramifications, they have to play out some way. It's a lot to get to know, and it's pretty intimidating for me as a, a radio host who's been doing this a long time. What do we need to know, Chad? Well, first of all, you have to set a plan in terms of what's right for you and the amount of company stock that you should be holding. Um, now, you know, obviously people have become wealthy because of concentrated stock positions of companies that have gone public and they've become, you know, well paid as a result of that. But you can also look in, uh, you know, the tech bubble burst and see the complete opposite of it. So, you know, as you get close to retirement, if you, you know, get within that, you know, 10 year from retirement, if you're only 5% or more of the company stock, the same company that pays you, that has your 401k match and everything else, it's, it's, it's danger. It's danger time. Um, and because it's 20 to 40% stock market corrections or company corrections, if they don't hit a product right or something bad happens, um, you know, it, it's common and that's too, too much risk to take. Let's, let's first start with restricted stock or RSUs because that is the most common type. Really, the non-quals and the incentive stock options aren't being issued as much anymore because they're accounting problems. Restricted stock, you are granted a certain amount of RSUs, and as they vest, they become fully taxable to you as ordinary income. And usually, you, you just, let's say they'll give you, let's say, 100 shares, but they'll sell 20 shares in order to pay the taxes, right? And that oh. automatically happens. There is no tax strategy reason for continuing to hold RSUs. There's no reason for it. So if you're already overweight in that company's stock and you don't want any more, as they vest, sell them and immediately reinvest it in a diversified portfolio. There's no tax planning involved there. As they vest, they're taxable. Sell them move on. Okay. Now, if you're younger, obviously you can let your your exposure to that company, especially if you're you think it's a great company and you really want to, you know, get, I don't mind getting up to 10% or so if it's a really good company. Um, ESPPs, that's another way to get a discount on your company's stock. ESPPs, you have to realize and there's a download on this. It's really confusing to talk about on radio, but you get a discount on the price. And that discount you'll always pay a regular income tax on. And in order to qualify the most of the future gains for for, for uh, capital gains, the lower tax bracket, there's a certain holding period. So just to, on a basic, you want to start trimming those if you're overweight in the company stock. You If they're up in value and they have gains, you want to basically hold them for about two years. There's an 18-month time frame, but, and you can read about it. Go to newfocusfinancial.com in the resource section. There's a bunch of stuff on ESPPs. But there is a tax strategy to maximize or minimize the taxes, rather, with employee stock purchase program. Um, if it's a company that's flat or going down, if it's going down, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> but 
if it's flat, you can still make the purchase, get the discount, turn around, immediately sell them if you want. Now, non-qualified stock options, there's there's nothing you can do tax-wise. As you, when you exercise them, they're fully taxable. And so there's not a lot of reason to exercise and hold them. What you have to do is make sure you're keeping an eye on your expiration dates. I've seen situations where people forget about their expiration dates, Rob, and they're a high-level executive, and they've forgotten about their expiration date, and they're about to expire, but they are also in a point in time where they're not allowed to sell the stock because of blackout periods, so they're forced to buy and hold it, and then if that's late in the year, you pay the taxes in, in the current year, but you can't sell into the future year. That reminds me of 2000, 2001, where people exercised and held, had a huge tax bill, and then the market fell apart. They had nothing, but they still owed taxes. So you have to watch your expiration dates, and there's a whole bunch of non-qualified stock options as well. Incentive stock options, that's where it gets tricky, and that's where it becomes tax planning, you know, sure. not tax planning 101, but it's big time because you got alternative minimum taxes. You can exercise and hold them. It's not taxable at the ordinary income tax level. If you hold them for the longer of uh, uh, two years, one year from exercise, two years from grant, then they can qualify for capital gains. But that initial exercise can be subject to AMT. And then AMT has dual cost basis stuff. So anyways, you got to get a good certified financial planner and a good CPA as a team to model your exercise strategy. you got to be aware of the leverage. There's a lot of leverage. So when you're younger, you want the leverage. But when you're older, you don't want the leverage as much and you get that extra risk. So an older person might, if they have directly held stock and, and leveraged options, they might reduce their leveraged options first. A younger person, if they want to diversify out of the company's stock but they want the leverage, they might sell their direct stock first and hold on to the leveraged options. So it's really based on your age, your risk tolerance, um, you know, that, that same old you know, boilerplate stuff that advisors have to say, but you have to come up with a plan. You really do. You do need a plan. ESPPs, RSUs, options, employee stock purchase plans. I've seen people let their options expire worthless. It's crazy how tough this is for people to put their heads around. Contact a CFP. You can find Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Money, investing, and more. Stocks have plunged as the wand extends its slide. Um, normal and healthy, and I wouldn't be surprised if we got a lot more downside. Comes with a six-year bull market where you create some excesses. You need a market of winners and losers. You need a market of buyers and sellers. So this is terribly, terribly normal. Oil hits a six-year low. Alibaba's getting crushed. It's interesting because they're getting back to those Twitter IPO levels of, you know, company comes public and you have great expectations and eh, stock takes off only to find back itself where it started. Um, Facebook, by the way, is working on a Twitter-like app that lets publishers send mobile breaking news alerts. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. I know what you're trying to say, baby. You're trying to say, oh, yeah, it's business time.
Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Joining me now, Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist with Briefing.com. Hello, Mr. Rosen. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Uh, kind of enjoying the, the panic out there, so to speak. Um, markets are getting whacked pretty good. Uh, but in perspective, it's not that bad from our recent all-time highs. Uh, but people get pretty nervous. What do you think about the whole Chinese yuan issue? I think it's exactly what it, what it looks like. You know, China is experiencing a bigger slowdown than they want or are trying to maintain. So they're doing everything they can to boost growth. And China is still a very uh, heavy export growth model. So, you know, in order to boost exports, they're devaluing their currency and hoping to make uh, Chinese goods more competitive against, you know, Vietnamese goods and goods in other areas of Southeast Asia. Okay. Should we worry about it? Because there's that fear of, like, a war. You know, countries basically lowering the value of their currency to compete with each other in the global markets. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't worry about it as the U.S. citizen if I was investing in, uh, you know, other areas of the globe, especially Southeast Asia. They're their main competitors for producing, you know, high labor intensive, uh, you know, consumer goods. Uh, then, yeah, you know, Vietnam is definitely going to respond. You're going to have probably response of Indonesia. You know, there's talk that Australia may even respond to this. So, you know, if you're in those areas, if you're looking, if if you own stock, for example, in in those uh, countries' indices, then then there's, you know, concern. In the U.S., you know, and I tend to be economically focused and not necessarily market focused. And the big question here is if the U.S. currency appreciates considerably against this, we're importing in a lot of deflationary pressures. What I mean is, you know, the U.S. dollar can buy more goods at a cheaper rate. So prices of of our imports decline. And if those prices are passed through to consumers, which is possible given the fact that, you know, there's competition among companies trying to lure consumers in. And the easiest way to do that is to reduce prices. So if you have a little bit more margin built in because of the, uh, you know, lower import costs, you're going to be reducing price growth and inflation already is way below Fed target. And now you're adding just another uh, headwind, so to, sp- so to say, to get to the inflation target level. And, and that could crimp economic growth. Changing topics and moving into the jobs openings in June. It fell just a bit from record highs. The number of job openings in the U.S. fell. Uh, the overall level suggests demand for workers remains strong. This is something that people have said it is a Janet Yellen indicator. Would this imply that we're still going to see an, or that we will see an interest rate hike in September? Well, hey, you know, we, we call this a Janet Yellen indicator because she mentioned it as one of the things she looks at in one speech you know, several months ago after she just became chair. The reality is I mean, the number itself by by itself, completely alone, is really useless. 
I mean, the, the idea of the number of jobs that are open doesn't tell you anything. What you want to know is the rate of hiring, and you want to know, you know, based on the unemployment rate, what's going on. So if you link it with the unemployment rate, and you take the fact that the unemployment rate's at 5.3%, and we're seeing, you know, a slow increase in the number of job openings, what it tells us, you know, if these rates are correct, that the employment sector is tightening, that businesses are having a harder time finding talent to fill those job openings. Theoretically, when businesses are having trouble finding talent, the way they do so is to raise uh, wages, which means that we should expect to see incomes rise. So the number itself, the 5 5.2, 5.3, 5.4 million, you know, that it's been over the last few months doesn't tell us much. But when you combine it with the unemployment rate that's been declining, you know, it gives the indication, and this is what uh, Yellen is looking for, that there's upward pressure on income, on wages, because businesses are going to have to, uh, you know, increase wages to attract talent to fill those open positions. Okay, I think I'm tracking all of this. I'm trying to put it in some sort of perspective in my head. Um, it's been the first Friday of the month has come and gone, but I haven't talked to you since then. What was your overall feeling on the jobs numbers? It was a very Goldilocks number. I mean, it, it basically okay. met every criteria that the Fed was looking for as a rate hike. I mean, you had jobs growth exceeding 200,000. You had an unemployment rate that remained at 5.3%. Uh, granted that there's still some biases in these numbers. You had wage growth uh, that was normal, you had, you know, 0.2% increase in hourly wages. You had a small increase in the average work week. Overall aggregate income levels or aggregate earning levels based on the change in jobs, the work week and the average hourly wage was about 0.7%, which means that there's healthy uh, uh, consumption growth baked into those numbers. That's exactly what the Fed is looking for in terms of liftoff. Now, are these numbers fantastic? No. You know, the fact that, you know, the 5.3% unemployment rate is only 5.3% because we have the lowest labor force participation rate since the 1970s tells us that there's still a, you know, vast number of workers that have left the labor force because they can't find jobs and have not returned since the recession ended. Now, the fact that if you take in all those people, you probably have an unemployment rate that's closer to uh, 7% than 5%. You know, that means that job growth could exceed 300,000 to pull down the unemployment rate, and that's not happening. So, you know, it's good enough for what the Fed is looking for. It's not good enough to signal that the, uh, you know, economy is growing at a 3 3.5% clip. I've read some gloomy reports from economists and from people in the industry. I would say the gloomiest is saying that we're headed for a deflation-led recession. Do you see a chance of that happening? Uh, it was compared very similar to Japan. Well, you have commodity prices that are on a downward spiral because of weak global demand. You have you know, an appreciating currency, which makes it difficult for uh, U.S. firms to export, and it means that we import deflationary pressures because we're importing cheaper goods. So, yeah, I mean, it's possible. Uh, I don't think it's likely. I think that if you look at 
core inflation, it, it's weak. It's still well below 2%. But if you look at the, you know, the PC numbers that, that uh, the Fed looks at, I mean, they're stable at least. We're not seeing too much of a move down. So you know, I, I think things are all right. I, I don't think things are great. I think that if the Fed raises rates quickly and consistently, I think that could make things much more difficult, and I think it could lead to a potential recession in that respect. But the way things are right now, it's not on my radar in a you know one to two year time frame at least. Speaking with Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist with Briefing.com, is there anything else that you're working on right now that you think you should bring to our attention to kind of give us more of your insights? Yeah, I, I think that you know we still need to look at to see how uh, incomes are going to handle. I think that the retail sales report tomorrow is going to be important. We saw that we had a decent increase in uh, wages according to the employment report. So let's see if consumers are willing to spend those wages. You know, are we going to see a nice gain in retail sales, or are we going to see you know soft growth? You know, nothing that we would you know consider to be really really strong, which would suggest to us anyways that consumers are still concerned about economic growth prospects in the future and they're actively changing their uh, their savings rate to match that which would you know not be so good considering that it's still relatively high so yeah I think a lot you know if we're looking at immediate trends and what's going on look to tomorrow's retail sales report to see how really the consumer is feeling about the economy I saw recently that auto loans hit nearly $1 trillion, um, basically low interest rates, <clears throat> high demand, rising prices of new vehicles. Are you concerned with the debt levels of the credit cards and the auto loans and the student loans in America? Is that real um, one day? I mean, on the individual basis, there's a lot to be concerned. On the aggregate basis, it doesn't look so bad. Uh, asset prices are uh, increasing, so the asset-to-liability ratios are manageable. Uh, Debt-to-income levels are becoming more manageable. So, you know, as a whole, I don't see a problem. At a micro level, it could be. You know, there's always the question is, you know, are these uh, debt-to-asset ratios biased because maybe the top earners are receiving all the income gains and their debt-to-income levels are really low? And the rest of the people in the country, maybe their debt to income levels are much higher than normal, but we can't break it out because of, uh, you know, we aggregate all the numbers as opposed to looking at specific quintiles of uh, the income distribution. But as a whole in the U.S. economy, I'm not concerned. Okay. Thank you very much. It's Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist with Briefing.com. You can find him at briefing.com. It's a great independent source of domestic and international information tied towards investing, tied towards stocks, tied towards economies, um, technical trades, story stock ideas. They got it all. Great site. Lots of great content. Check out briefing.com. We could be together if you wanted to. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and Radio Station.
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Don't be shy. That's kind of the name of the game of the show. Google is starting a new business. Well, no, no, no. Google has restructured their company. And ultimately what it is, is it's going to put all their profitable businesses under the Google brand. And then they're going to say um, some of their moonshots are going to be run by a separate company. Larry Page is stepping away from the Internet's biggest moneymaker to focus on the moonshots, which are considered speculative scientific bets that require a lot of capital and faith. And it's going to have nothing to do with search engine routes. I would say that what Google is doing is they're doing something very similar to what Facebook has done, Tesla has done, and Amazon has done, is they're formalizing kind of a research arm. Uh, Google relies on its main advertising business, which makes you know nearly 90% of the total revenue. That business is still growing, but it's growing more slowly and it's facing more competition. Will Google's founders strike gold? twice and come up with the next big technological breakthrough. Well, they certainly have the cash flow for throwing it into projects. Um, you know, once baffling investments in YouTube and Android have become major engines of growth for the internet giant. So it's out there, but like they had that Google Glass, which was a disaster. So some of their projects are great and some of them are just big misses. Amazon founder, Jeff Bezos is facing off against Elon Musk in the race for space flight. And, you know, Musk is financing another outlandish stream, the Hyperloop, a new form of high-speed transit. Um, Facebook has invested in virtual reality headsets. So the big four companies uh, are doing what they can to stay relevant and not turn into an IBM and or like HP, which kind of lost their focus as far as innovating. Let's go to a caller. We've got Brian. Brian, what's on your mind? Hey, Rob, i got a question about tax planning. Um, I'm not much um, of a tax guy, but I'll try. Well, uh, maybe it's kind of an investment strategy. Um, 45 okay. years old. Um, my wife and I have about 500000 combined in our um, case. And we both are going to have Good. pensions. And we plan on staying in a high-tech state here in California. Is it a okay. good time to start going? And we're right on the threshold of Roth. So um, we can't always meet them. We can't, we can't always uh, contribute. And we can't do a backdoor because we have separate IRAs. Okay. So, um, is going to just a straight cash account at this time like a better strategy, you think? Why would you go to a straight cash account? Well, not a cash I mean, investment, but a non-protected, non-deferred account. Because if we yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm I'm to pass on this question because, again, tax planning is not my forte. Okay. I have to be very careful because ultimately it thinks the call. You brought up something that is very unique. You and your wife have separate IRAs, and there's a separation there. The way I would handle it versus the way you would handle it, the way my accountant would treat things versus your accountant, um, you could have aggressive accounting, and I could have conservative. Um, tax planning is really, really brutal. It sounds like you're doing great, you know, half a million plus dollars saved. Um you know, you're going to stay in a high-cost state, so that's probably your biggest worry. Um, I probably wouldn't go conservative at this point in time, even though we're seeing a market correction. And what I mean by that is I would look at the corrections as opportunities to invest at a cheaper price point. 
um, you don't realize, and this is probably like the biggest surprise that I see people get hit with is how expensive retirement is. When you start paying for your own health care, you know, we hear Medicare and Medi-Cal and we hear about Social Security and you're like, hey, sweet, these are all great things that don't cost any money and they give us money and they give us health care. But your health care can be very, very expensive. Um, I don't know if you have kids or not in college planning. So you're really probably wanting to sit down. Once you get to a half million dollars, sit down with a financial planner. Uh, they will charge you a couple grand to run a financial plan for you, maybe a little bit more depending on how complex it is. But the financial plan is, is fantastic. Um, you're not just going into someone's office and t- talking blah, 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 blah. This will tell you what your projections are. It'll give you a best case scenario. It'll give you a worst case scenario. It'll tell you what your drawdown will be. It'll tell you some assumptions on inflation. So again, like right now, if you think of a million dollars in 15 years, million dollars, and that's where you are, 45 years old, million dollars won't be a million dollars. It's, you know, that uh, scene from Dr. Evil where, you know, he comes out of cryogenics or being frozen and he wants to hold the U.S. government ransom for one million dollars and everyone laughs at him. (laughs) So he has to change the number to a billion or a trillion or what have you because of inflation. uh, What used to be a lot of money isn't anymore. Um, you know, that's I down with the financial planner. simple request, and that is to have sharks with laser beams attached to their heads. I love Dr. Evil. That was such an inspired character, but they went to the well one too many times with it. Um, boy, did Mike Myers disappear or what? Whew. Um, here today, gone tomorrow. So anyway, um, I think you're in a position where you could spend a couple and really get some security on where you should be putting money to have it handled in a tax-efficient basis. Um, I wouldn't be cheap at this point in time because you have enough that you don't want to make a, a damning mistake. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Warren Buffett, he bought Kraft Foods and H.J. Hines merged in July. It was a deal that he helped orchestrate, cutting 7,000 jobs. If you think of it... Um, Kraft Foods, ask someone under 35 what they eat. And that's the problem that Kraft Foods has. They're not eating a lot of, you know, refrigerated snacks and cheese sticks. Um, I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Sorry I couldn't answer your question a little bit better, but I I certainly give you something to think about. Take a break here. We'll talk soon. Have a good day. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.